0: This is the Husker Doc Talk Podcast presented by Bet Fred Sports 2022, episode 40.
1: <music> Dr. Rob, how the hell are you? Dude, I feel like like back to normal now back to normal define back to normal we haven't gone together for like two and a half weeks
0: well it's because i left the country i left the country and just kind of
1: decompressed good couple of weeks good weekend you were what over in italy for a week and a half
0: about a week and a half in italy and it was uh, besides the travel Um, And what I mean by that, the the airline flights, uh, it it was a great trip. It really was. Um, I had some trouble with Delta on the way over. Was that a
1: baggage thing?
0: Uh, Well, a a couple of things. So we we made it to Minneapolis just fine. And then we got to our our connecting flight to Paris. Plenty of time. We're getting ready to go. And all of a sudden, a pilot got sick. And I, 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 I guess you need three pilots to fly a plane that big. So we had to wait almost two, two and a half hours for another pilot to get there. And therefore, I missed my connecting flight in Paris. They lost my luggage. And I got to Florence about two, two and a half hours late. Uh, my my baggage didn't show up till the next day. Way home, we, we fly from Florence to Paris and then... The, the, you know it's never good when you get to the gate and the pilot's just sitting there, and he's grumpy, <laughs> all right. And, and and by the way, ha, have the French contributed anything to society that we know of? Well, food. But besides that, have the French con- contributed anything to society that we know of, besides just being arrogant pricks? Champagne. Okay. Well, I guess, the, and, and, and a good Bordeaux wine, right? Yeah. But besides that, the, you know, the French are just kind of arrogant. They're pretty proud of themselves. And you could tell that the Delta pilot was... Kind of perturbed with what was going on at the airport because was he French? No, he's he's a Delta. He's based out of Minneapolis. Oh, okay, he's your bi- Minneapolis-based crew, right? So he uh, he was a little grumpy, uh, and he he kind of let everybody know around it because it, at the Paris airport, you don't get on a jetway and get on the plane. They put us on a bus, walked out on the tarmac, walked up oh, some stairs. Yes, old school. It, it was totally old school. He had no idea what was going on. So that flight was two and a half hours, two hours late. And then we get on, we, we finally get boarded up. We know we're going to be running a little bit late, kind of close to Minneapolis to make our connecting flight. And we're, 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 we're now on the, uh, we're, we're going towards the runway. All of a sudden they hit the brakes. Oh, uh, Folks, we have to uh, make a diversion, go into the garage area. We had a light uh, turn on uh, the brake lights aren't working. So we have to get that fixed. So we sat there for two and a half hours on oh, the, plane. the plane on I watched that's an entire worst. I watched an entire movie on the plane before we even took off
1: oh that's brutal
0: the plane was running so long that they go, hey g- good news folks the uh, the brakes are fixed bad news is we now have to refuel so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna top off the fuel we're like okay as soon as they got done with that oh yeah it's been snowing outside we have to go de-ice so that takes another half hour we were almost four four and a half and this hours is all in Paris in Paris. And they don't seem to care. Give me me a, give me a, give me a, give me I I don't know. I can't even have a French accent. Uh, But we get to Minneapolis. I miss my connecting flight to Omaha. So you get off and Delta's like, okay, you'll uh, check your app or there'll be boarding passes for you on your reconnect. This is, we got to, we got to Minneapolis at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Now you'd think there would be a flight on the hour. Something. You know. So, I, oh, well, oh by but the way, the thing is, those are already all booked. Bu- well, and the uh, story gets a little bit longer here. Um, so, we were in customs. My bag is lost again. They lost <laughs> my bag. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? How do you lose my bag? We were twice. in Paris twice. And, and there was no problem, right? Well, uh, I'll, I'll skip ahead here. They sent that bag to Atlanta. How that happened, I had no idea. So, we finally realized. After we're the last people in customs that my bags lost, they lock out and there's a table out there with everybody's boarding passes on it. Our boarding pass was to leave Minneapolis to connect to Detroit, to go back to Omaha 24 hours later. They were not offering food vouchers. They were not offering a hotel. They weren't offering anything Just saying your flight leaves in 24 hours. So we were with another couple. And it, the, the decision was made at 5.30 p.m., rent a car and drive home.
1: And we rented a car and drove all the way to Omaha. I did not know that. Yeah. Which, I you know, I've thought about that before when I've been caught in similar situations where it's one of those like, you know, driving's not that bad. It, well, it's not. There was four of
0: us in the car, so we were going to make it easy to do. And it was just one of those things where, and you knew, a winter storm warning was coming to Minneapolis. So come to find out, so our, you're thinking we need to get out of here we sooner need, than we later. We need to get out, and I was actually surprised on on Avis. I think a one way from Minneapolis to to Omaha, we got a Toyota 4Runner. It was like 149 bucks. That's I, nothing. Yeah, that's worth it. Yeah, that that was worth it. How long was the drive? Five and a half hours. Yeah, that's not bad. No, it, it that's super doable. Now, na- well, hold on. Now it's super doable. None of us had slept for 24 hours.
1: Okay, well yeah, that wears on you a little bit. <laughs> that, yeah. But here's here's the other trade off. I mean, how long would have been the let's say you had waited twenty four hours, gotten on the We wouldn't have gotten on it
0: because the winter storm warning, we get, we're getting because we didn't tell anybody we weren't taking the flight, we were getting updates. Uh it's been bumped but they didn't leave Minneapolis till like seven o'clock at night. We would have had to gone to Detroit and then come back to Omaha. So we made the right call. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So that was my but you take the two travel days out of it, wonderful trip. Great food, <laughs> great wine, great company, great scenery. It was awesome. How about you? You went to Vegas, man. I you did were in Vegas, Vegas. Baby. And that was you were you, you were you were in Vegas and you were there for football reasons because Zach Wiegert was officially inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame.
1: He was. So there was uh, the pipeline went out. So he had the f- five guys on the pipeline. But then there was a bunch of other guys that we played with who all came out. John Peterson, the Grand Island guy who was in our recruiting class. Uh, his son, uh, scholarship recruit to UCLA. Really? Yeah. Did, never got a sniff out of Nebraska. Really? Yeah. Chip Kelly, Good enough for Chip Kelly and... Pac twelve offense is apparently not good enough for Scott, but um but John was there, uh, got uh Eric, Zach's older brother, Kevin Raymakers, Doug uh, Doug Glazier, um, Oh, it's just
0: Good group of guys. Now I, I tried to be, I begged you to, to to shoot some videos. We were going to put them on the the YouTube channel. You didn't do it because I know because you know you, you, you're not because you're not a journalist by by heart. And what I mean by that is you you probably didn't feel comfortable doing it. Go hey guys, go well, you do the YouTube that video. That would
1: been kind of weird a little bit. Although what was funny is like most of those guys were all like, hey, we all watched the podcast. Did
0: did they really yeah. say that? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Right. No. Does Zach say that too? Because I saw Zach last night. His daughter plays for Marion.
1: I don't. I actually don't know if Zach does. Although Zach's moving 100 miles an hour. That dude's got something going on all the time. Um, he is busier and shit. I will say that he 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 does have a real job. Yeah. So well, you have a real job. You're you're a doctor. You know. This time of year, it's. I will say, I'm moving about hundred miles per hour this time of year <laughs> because so. it's deductible season. It is. What What did you which, like? Yeah, my My younger brother, he's uh, loves to hunt, which I love to hunt as well too. Uh, and this is like just prime duck and goose season. And he t- he shoots me a text earlier today. Hey, can you get off work on Thursday? I'm just like, dude. I sent him like a like a like a laughing emoji back, like or, or GIF. The little I think I had like Morgan Freeman and like a giant like <laughs> you're crazy because pal. he sells medical equipment, right? He does. Which and actually he's usually pretty quick. Although he's he's kind of gotten to the point where he's at a kind of like he and a couple of other guys bought out the distributorship, and so he's he's upper management. Now. Oh, he, and I will say this. He's one of those guys who he spends like nine tenths of the year, like putting in like fifteen hour days. So yeah, it's it's one of those if he he puts in enough hours that if it's one of those like hey I'm taking a Thursday morning off and I'm gonna go kill things that fly, he can do it. Yeah, it's gonna be weird for me because I'd go back to work. We're recording this on Sunday.
0: Um, I took a full two weeks off. I rarely do that. And, boy, that was kind of refreshing. It's kind of nice. And, and I did something I really... almost all
1: your login passwords on the well, computers.
0: And I, almost, and I really did something that I rarely ever do. I kind of just decompressed and didn't check emails or anything like that. So I didn't really... Resp- I, now, there was a couple ones that I needed to respond to, but for the most part, I did not engage in work whatsoever. And that's kind of... I think it's healthy. I think it's oh, really, time. really healthy to do big that. time. Yeah. So... But uh, anything uh, surprise you about Las Vegas I, I,
1: No nah, I, you know I'm not a big Vegas guy and I, well I, I don't gamble, which is kind of funny considering we got Bedford that supports us but um, I don't wager a lot. and when I say I don't gamble I, I, I don't do the craps, the yeah. poker, the slots, blackjacks. that kind of what people think of as like your standard Vegas casino gambling. Yeah. That I don't do. And so you go to Vegas, and there's a lot of stuff to do in Vegas, I will say that. And we had stuff going on, but I don't gamble. Vegas so, ain't
0: cheap anymore,
1: by the way. No, it's really not. I uh, it, it's, But I mean, for the most part, nine-tenths of Vegas is this giant facade. I, I mean, you look at all the buildings, you look at the casinos, you look at the fronts. It's 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 giant man it's these giant manufactured facades and you're like oh we're going to go check this out it looks so cool and then you're like yeah it's just this giant man man made facade i mean it's not real i mean caesar's palace it's like they're not real roman ruins i mean no, it's, Bellagio, it's a movie it's, set yeah it is but it's it's like walking through vegas it's like walking through a giant movie set and you get to the you get to the casinos you go to the hotels and you're like behind it all you realize well it's just it, it's a really big hotel
0: now i'm going to ask you to share some stuff or maybe it didn't happen was was there ever like a uh you know because you guys had everybody there i thought that was really cool the pipeline was there was there ever like a uh, just a, a moment where you guys all came together and, and Zach gave this
1: speech to you guys or have a, a bonding nah, moment? No, nah, nothing like that. But I mean, it's a it, most of these guys, it's kind of interesting because I had a few interesting conversations and I'll be curious to see if anybody who listens to this and has played football wants to comment on it. So nine-tenths of the guys that were there were linemen it was all offensive and defensive linemen and and it's interesting how because these with linemen you always operate as a unit defensive lines operate in a unit it's not the star defensive end who's making a giant play it's he's making a great play but part of the reason he's making a great play is because the other defensive end and one of the interior d tackles are both getting double teamed which is singling that guy up to go make the big play Defensive linemen work in units. Offensive linemen work in units. We kind of view ourselves as one position. It's not five guys, it's one unit. And so you get really close with these guys. And you kind of get close with the guys even across some different eras. So, I mean, you look at guys like Doug Glazier, who is a few years ahead of Zach's older brother, Eric. You look at Eric, who's a few years ahead of Zach and I. And you kind of had about two or three pseudo-generations of Nebraska linemen there. You had some of the defensive guys like Pat Engelbert, Jason Pesterfield, Kevin Raymakers. Those guys were all there. And it's, it's, it's interesting because, again, those guys are a really tight-knit unit. And those are the guys we're practicing against on a day-in, day-out basis. And so we were really tight. Now, the comparison there is I got a buddy um, and it's Kyle Emset. Kyle was a yep. prep All-American high school football player and wrestler from Lincoln Southeast. He and I were in the same class. Kyle and I went to junior high together. Played. He, he was a kind of a combo, sort of a Jeff Makovic, a combo running back fullback at Nebraska. Career really kind of got hampered by an ACL tear. And this was back in the early 90s when, it's not like it is now where you tear an ACL, you get it fixed, and you're just right back out there nine times out of ten. You might actually probably be faster stronger than before the damn ACL tear. Not, that really wasn't the case in the 90s, um, or at least that early part of the 90s. And so that was a little bit of something that kind of took him from being a guy that really would have spent a lot of time on the field to not as much. But... The con- the conversation I had with Kyle once, we were talking about talking with guys that we had played with and hanging out with guys that we had played with. And the discussion was about how I'll hang out and I'll talk with Joel Wilkes on kind of this regular basis. I'll talk with Zach and Brendan Uh, and Aaron Graham on at least the semi-regular basis. It's like never go too long without talking to one of those guys. But again, then you see these guys from different generations that you hang out with and talk with as well, too, on this semi-regular basis. And Kyle made the point, he goes, you know, it's different between linemen and backs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you guys function as a unit. You got to know how each other's working, thinking you got all all of that is is really intricately related in, in terms of how you work with each other and so you guys become very close he goes with the running back she goes it's only one of us on the field at a time with the quarterback there's only one of us on the field at the time and so it's this little bit of kind of this cutthroat competition at those spots for that playing time and he said you don't become as close with those guys he said it's not like these running backs, and he goes, there's a few guys, like Damon and Clint were pretty tight. A couple of other guys were pretty tight. But he said it's not one of these things where the bulk of the running back room still talks with each other. And, I mean, I, I think, I mean, God, like Kenny Malin and I still trade messages periodically. Uh, all these guys that, I mean, f- who are two or three years even removed between us. If we were in that old line room, and had any overlap, there's probably a pretty good shot I've chatted with you within the last year or two. Um, and that same thing on the defensive line as well. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it was kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting mindset because he said it's like, yeah, quarterbacks, it's it's not like the first and second string quarterbacks are our buddies, or the first and second string running backs our buddies, especially now that it's 20, 30 years later, Kyle was like, yeah, most of these guys don't talk with each other. Interesting. So when Zach
0: went into the College Football Hall of Fame, did you guys as a group feel like you were Hall of Famers? Did you did, did it feel like a unit there?
1: No, I mean, I don't want to say that, but I mean, you're happy for the guy, and it's one of these things you're totally stoked about, the fact that somebody you played with made it to that point. Um, What I'd be interested to see is if – like, one of the quarterbacks or running backs gets elected to the College Football Hall of Famer. Does, like, half the quarterback room... I mean, Eric Crouch gets in, which I think he is. i got to double-check that. I'm just using that as a for instance. I mean, does the rest of the quarterback room at that time period go to Vegas? See, I I would think the offensive line room would. I mean,
0: to me... For the quarterback? To me... The quarterback's only as good as
1: his offensive line. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's one of those I think the quarterback ought to fly us out there. (laughs) True. True. But it was, you know, it's, I I just, yeah, that's the thing is that, I mean, we look at and we're it's one of those acts like, hey, I'm getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, would love everybody to come out. Well, And he had a, he turned 50 earlier this year, so he had a big 50th birthday party bash and the next night we had the the hall of fame dinner but that was one of those things where zach was like would love to have everybody come out university's getting a bunch of tables and we're all like hell yeah we're going cool i, I mean it, and like i said it was like two or three generations of all linemen showed up bunch of d linemen like i said Braymakers, terry Keneally, pesterfield all these guys show up but it's i i don't know it's just it, it's it's always going to be an interesting dynamic to me now that I think about that. Ever since Kyle mentioned that to me, about how different position groups interact. And until, like I said, some number of weeks ago when I had this conversation with Kyle, I never thought about that. This was kind of like a... I, I was... Yeah, you just took it for granted. Yeah, I was a few weeks... I mean, that it was literally... I was that days old when i discovered that kind of thing
0: so i, I cuz i do have a question about uh, getting together in in vegas but i do want to put this up there because we're drinking day drinker beer this is a uh, a blonde lager uh, or a Belgian style blonde ale, I should say, not a lager. Not, a lager. not a lager. This is a lager. This is an nail. This is from uh, listener Cody Ungles, who's in uh, in Arkansas. This nice. Is, this is a. This is an Arkansas beer.
1: I saw it's Little Rock.
0: Is Cody yeah. in Little Rock? I don't. If, I don't know where he's exactly at, uh, but he, and he kind of works in the racing industry. So he he's in the horse racing industry. Ah. Nice. Yeah. So he he told he told me he lives in like Altoona, Iowa, up where Prairie Meadows. So like five months out of the year, you know, okay. the races up there. But he's down there in Arkansas. Regular listener of the podcast sent us uh, some some beer and we we're taking the we're doing the day drinker today. Lost
1: forty, 40 brewing, yeah, good stuff Not a little rock. It is if if you're a blonde ale guy, yeah. Do you know what this is? Uh, Founder says all day IPA. Yeah, this is like all day blonde ale. Like yeah, if you I wanted, can see that. You could have a few of these. So my question
0: when it comes to drinking, um, did we drink? Well, I know you drank. Can anybody out drink you? Uh, Seriously, I I was looking at the photos and I'm looking at Brendan, I'm I'm looking at Aaron Graham, I'm looking at Joel Wilkes. I
1: might be one of the, like, lighter guys to some degree in that bunch. Really? Well, I mean, a lot of these guys act, I mean, some of these guys, it's sort of, I don't know, some of those D-linemen, man,
0: (laughs) they've always been able to kill it. Well, Keneally was down there. Is he still drinking? Can can, can
1: he outdrink you down there? But he's a Jameson's guy. so okay. I, don't, I don't
0: even try that. One. Yeah, that's that's a different. That's a yeah, that's, that's a, different that's level. A,
1: that's a whole nother level. Yeah,
0: so. that's a completely different level. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad uh, I saw Zach uh, last night. He was at his daughter's uh, high school basketball game. I, I yeah. didn't get to say hi to him before he left, but uh, it was
1: yeah, it was it was a good trip. I I will say this: it's you know probably one of the coolest things about going through that whole experience playing college football at Nebraska in that time period. You, you get 30 years later not to get overly sentimental about it, it it's it's not so much the winning the games the championships the glory kind of stuff it's you get 30 years later and it it is the the friendships yeah it, it's 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 the fact that you still keep in touch with these guys that's the cool thing
0: yeah so I, you know, that's why I kind of look at it with you. I I, I mean, that's, that's what makes this podcast fun is that, you know. You get to hang out with me. Well, but, you know, I, I was am... covering you your <laughs> senior year, and here we are. You know, still asking you questions 30 years later, but we do it in a completely different way. Well, that's true. Now we do it with beer. We do it with beer, and we, we, we swear, and uh, we, we get to give our opinions, which is really cool. The last time we did anything, and it was a pretty popular video on uh, on YouTube, by the which
1: way. Which I still am trying to wrap my head. Because you, you called me up, and you were just like, hey, do you want to do a quick uh, Matt well, Rule reaction? Well, like,
0: yeah, well, well, we did it. the Matt Rule reaction, but it was one after Mickey Joseph. But that's right. Yeah, it was the Mickey Joseph one where... I said, hey, people are asking, Rob, I think we need to do this. So we didn't even put it on the podcast, it was just a video. And over ten thousand views on now for us that's a lot because we only have like sixteen hundred YouTube subscribers. By the way, if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube and uh, subscribe to at Doc Talk Sports. Very simple. Uh, but at that point, uh, Mickey Joseph had been arrested. He'd been at that point uh, put on administrative leave. Mickey Joseph no longer with the Nebraska football program. Which I'm not sure that surprises anybody. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. It's and you know what, Texas is dealing with this with Chris Beard right now too. The head uh-huh. basketball coach is under kind of a, a very similar situation. I don't think Matt
1: Rule had any choice here, right? I mean, there, well, was, there was none, none, none. I mean, you can't. Well, here is the other thing. Think about what he went through at Baylor. I, I mean, you look at the the sexual assault, the uh, the scandal they had down there. It's, I, I mean, that just now he abs- was not part of it, by no, the way. no. And I get that, but it just that absolutely destroyed that yeah. program. I, I still think it's a damn miracle what he was able to do there. I, You know, I know some people, especially after Wisconsin hired Fickle, there was kind of a lot of, I, I don't want to call it buyer's remorse, but I kind of feel like people were like, oh, hell yeah, we got ruled. This is a great hire. We're all on board. We love that. Oh, Wisconsin got Fickle for like half the price? What the hell? Why couldn't we have gotten Fickle? I want, I want a Fickle, too. <laughs> It, it just seemed like there was kind of this undercurrent of that right, right after that, and, and I, I I know I saw a lot of people second guessing the Matt Rule hire. I I don't know if, if there's a. So I'm thinking about this in terms of like the slam dunk aspect. The last time there was a slam dunk hire for a Nebraska football coach, it was Frost. Yeah, I mean that was one of the few. It, I mean, in hindsight, Tom Osborne was a slam dunk. Bob Devaney was a slam dunk. But it's not like we got Bill Callahan and people were like, oh, my God, great hire. That was a, holy shit, thank God somebody finally took the job. Um, after Callahan and they got Polini. I think I think people were very happy with the Polini hire. In hindsight, I'm kind of upset about him getting fired still, but... Uh, I, I thought Pellini was a very good hire at the time. I don't know if I I don't think it was a slam dunk. Yeah, I, I wouldn't quantify that as a slam dunk hire. Um, and then Mike Riley was a, well, shit, okay, if they're going to create a clusterfuck here and bring somebody in. I was, you know, screw it, fine, let's bring Mike Riley in, for God's sakes. Lord knows how this will go. Um, and in hindsight... He wasn't that bad compared to Frost. But then you get Scott, and you're thinking, oh my God, finally, we got a slam dunk higher. In hindsight, being 2020, I mean, I don't, God, I don't know if I want a slam dunk higher. I, I want somebody who represents a good, solid choice. And at the time, I think either Rule or Fickle would have been a perfectly good, solid choice. Given the circumstances, and I'm I was happy with it then I'm happy with it now. But going back to the whole Baylor thing, the concept of excuse me, your wife fed us before we came down here. and it's, it's like I feel like I ate a horse. It was outstanding. Well, it was it was, I just, it was a pig. It I was, just stuffed myself, <laughs> but um anyway, excuse me. the uh, but you look at what Baylor went through prior to rule hitting the door and it, going back I, I I looked this up the numbers were astounding he had it was like 39 40 41 guys something like that on the roster when he hit the door at Baylor I mean that's a th- that's at most a third of a division 1 football roster for basically 40 yeah. guys I mean that's I mean that's not even a two deep yeah, here, so I mean that's one of those how do you start a program with that when you look at that it's a miracle they won one game his first year the fact that he went what was it six and six or six and seven seven and six that second year and then went 11 and three i keep seeing people posting stuff along the lines of matt rule was oh and seven against top 10 teams in his three years at baylor and i'm like no fucking shit he was it's like he had this completely gutted program. He was starting from – it was coming back from an SMU-level death penalty.
0: Do you know what memories are, Rob? Short. Yeah. They they really are. People people don't want to remember the, the shit show that he took over. And yeah, and
1: that's the thing that gets me is when people are like, yeah, he, he was 0-9 or whatever the stat was against top 10 teams. And I'm like – Oh my God! It's like really—that's that's what you're harping on, the fact that he had 40 guys on the roster when he hit the door. It's amazing he went 11 and three in year three. Uh, if we have zero wins against top 10 teams, his first three years in Lincoln, but within three years, where Nebraska is 11 and three and playing in a major bowl game against Georgia, for instance, I will be ecstatic. I yeah. will consider this a great hire. And by the
0: time that rolls around, uh, it, it, that would be a college football playoff because you're gonna have 12 teams by by the time that happens.
1: Yeah, if you're 11 and three, you're in the damn. Yeah, playoff. you're gonna Whether probably. Not, the, you got to yeah. win over a top 10. Yeah, if,
0: if you're if you're if you're playing if you're playing Georgia at that point, uh, you, you're most likely in the college football playoff. Um, so you know, back to Mickey Joseph, though. Uh, I mean, there really wasn't. Here's what surprised me when you and I did that video before. I left on my vacation I said on that video I don't know if you remember I said this I said under no circumstances do you ever 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 hit a woman okay I was surprised Rob on the comments on YouTube I didn't even look the pushback that people like hold on now you don't know the circumstances hold on now you what what if she can't you know what if somebody comes at you with a knife I'm like no yeah now you're making up shit in your head yeah, you're, you're, you're justifying yeah. the action. You cannot justify the action. It, I, and I'm listen, the well, reason and, I say this, I grew up in a family.
1: I'm like, how do you justify, you know, kind of what everybody's heard? I mean, it's because even the worst rumors we heard out there, it's not like, it's not, well, yeah, she was coming at him with a knife no. or a baseball. No, that's, I mean, the worst of the rumors and all of them were idiotic. Yes. They were all crazy. But it's it's the worst of them. Nowhere in there was she was coming at him no. with a violent weapon. Yeah. So yeah. I, but, yeah but it was just amazing to me
0: the here. people who were saying you got to wait, you got to get it. Well, the the police report
1: says what it says. We were yeah we were making pretty, our assumptions. The the police report was pretty incriminating. unfortunately yes. for Mickey.
0: And uh, listen, I, I get people can go batshit, and but you just you have to step away. There is, there is a physical part of it where you just got to well, step away. And, and I'm
1: not saying this is going to be a career-ender for him, Ooh. but it's it's in terms of what you would look at in, in regards to where his career trajectory was going. Because one of the things I had consistently said about Mickey prior to this w- was that he had turned himself into a commodity. Yeah. All of a sudden, you got a guy who's known as a, as a superstar recruiter. Every staff wants one You got a guy who has sent wide receivers to the NFL. Okay, great. He can develop players too. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. He's a good leader. The players respond to him, the other assistants like him. Okay, here's a guy with coordinator andor head coaching prowess. The next step in his career was going to be likely as a coordinator or as a head coach somewhere. I mean, one of the rumors that was floating around that, it, it's probably one of the few rumors that has some truth to it, is that he was, prior to this altercation, he was interviewing for, and I'm blanking, it was either the Tulsa or Tulane job. Uh, Tulsa. Was it the Tulsa yeah. job? So all so he went from interviewing for Division I head coach's job to well, there's going to be an extended legal process here. I mean, this is going to go on. He for, won't coach for a couple of years. Yeah, this is going to be going on for a couple of years. I, and I say it's not necessarily a career ender because I mean, I mean, one of the more recent ones I think about was didn't Dan McCarney go through this?
0: Uh he did really early on when he got uh, when he was hired by Iowa State. It, it, except his was. An action that happened before he was hired as coach, like okay. the, you know, it, it wasn't the so day and age was, of the internet. Was, gotcha. Like it, it happened before when he was at Wisconsin. The 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 the, the it, it came to to light because of public you know records and stuff like that, and he made it through it. But he was never arrested at Iowa State or anything like that. So okay, he had. I mean, but it I doesn't mean, it, justify the I mean, action. Nothing, I'm just saying,
1: but it's not like he kept bouncing around the head coaching no ranks after iowa state no he was uh after iowa state he went to florida
0: and i think he was a uh, defensive coordinator or, or a defensive line coach and then he ended up at north texas okay as a head coach and then he retired at, at north texas so. so he
1: was a head coach at north texas yeah. okay that yeah. part i did not yeah about, so. Okay. so i mean and i'm not trying to drag dan mccarney's no no he's a dear, good dude man when i say that um but it, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, there's been guys who've been through this who have coached before, but I, I mean, Mickey effectively, I, I mean, talk about slamming the brakes on what would have been an incredibly promising career as a coach. Yep. I, I mean, literally by his own hand, literally and figuratively, unfortunately. But. Yeah, but
0: Mickey Joseph, no longer with the Nebraska football program. Uh and, and no, it's, it's not
1: like you mentioned yeah. that really. Yeah, there's no way Rule was keeping him yeah. after that. So I, I I'm sure they were and the, I don't think he was going to anyway. No, I, mean, I think he was. I don't think so. You think yeah, so? Yeah,
0: I do. I think I think there was an offer for him to make more money and to keep him. I th- I think there was a side deal. I think I think that was part of the deal. Well,
1: and I always you know, I always thought about that. It's just it kind of got up until well, the point of the assault that I kind of started wondering if that was, was the case. I had heard that that was always part of the deal when he got brought to Lincoln was, hey, I mean, you and I have had this discussion before that when you saw that initial title, and you had always said, it was like, well, these guys like titles. And I'm like, it's like he doesn't need those titles. Though. No,
0: but titles are a way for a corporate structure to justify a, a pay range. But it, that that's that's what I happened
1: get, you know i get that i just i still i saw all of those titles and all i saw in my head was trev just hired his interim coach it's Which not going to be whipple <laughs> it's going to be yeah jo- it's like what i'm looking at because i mean i you know in a normal structure it would have been shenander or whipple it's all yeah. it's almost always one of the i mean let me put it this way. How often does your wide receivers coach get promoted to interim head coach over the O.C.? Uh, Rarely. Yeah, doesn't happen much. He was brought in as the wide receivers coach, and then all of a sudden you see this associate head coach and passing game coordinator. And it's this guy's the interim head coach. And he knew that coming to Nebraska. I guarantee guarantee you Mickey knew that coming to Nebraska. Were you surprised? But but anyway, to your point, I would not be surprised if part of that Mickey knowing this coming to Nebraska thing was, hey, if we get rid of Frost, if and when we get rid of Frost, and you're the interim coach, whoever comes in as the head coach part of the deal is going to be you have to be offered a position you don't have to yeah. take it but you're going to get offered that position yeah it uh uh it's
0: interesting and and i think that's what that's what it was i think they wanted him to get the the, the tulsa job but now you now he's out he'll i i guarantee two to three years before he coaches again yeah you know, he's got to get this thing through the legal the, the legal uh, ramifications that's going to take place, and who knows, maybe in a divorce and stuff like that. You never know what happens and stuff like this. Now, when I was gone, Rob, one of the big shockers to me when I was in Italy,
1: besides my dog dying... Um, dude, don't... I'm still... I'm gonna, I cried, dude. I was in Vegas. I fucking cried. You did not, did you? Hank's my boy. Yeah. I love Hank. It was...
0: Uh, and we're, we got to Italy, and... Uh, Lizzie uh, Owen's girlfriend is the one that had to take him to the vet and put him down. Now, thank God Owen left work and was was with her when that happened. So we didn't we didn't get to say goodbye to him. But uh, so my dog dies when I'm in Italy. And then Mike Leach dies when I'm in Italy. That man, I, Mike Leach is a cool dude. He, yeah, that re- was. I was going to say sports world lost a good one. Man, really uh, did, really, really did. And is that just a case where? he was probably dead and they just made sure they had
1: organ donors where his organs could go. I, I don't know about that. Kind of the story I had heard is they, they tried, they tried to keep him on life support as long as possible for kind of for family to get together, make some decisions, everybody to kind of say their goodbyes. Um, tough deal though. And I, I haven't heard all the ins and outs. I've heard both. It was a severe stroke versus, I thought it was ver- a heart attack no. versus a massive heart attack. And, uh, there's been a little bit of stuff reported in the media that he, he'd he had some heart problems in the past. Yeah. I don't know the full nature of those, um, and that this was potentially an unfortunate culmination of that. Um, but God, what an absolutely amazing guy. I mean, if you If you really get into how he got to where he was at as a head coach, Kind of the process that he went through. And there's plenty of articles. Hop online and look them up. The Athletics got a few that were really, really good in that regard. Um, and some of the stories people tell about getting recruited by him, what the recruiting process is like when you actually meet Mike Leach and get recruited by him, things like that. Just absolutely amazing guy. And the other thing is, is just everything he was interested in. I know, I know somebody's one of the guys that played for him, one of the quarterbacks who played for him at Washington State talked about they were getting smoked in a football game. I think I think it was a bowl game. And at uh, at halftime he goes into the one of the coaches' meeting rooms at halftime after they're getting their ass kicked in the first half. And Mike Leach is in there practicing Spanish on Rosetta Stone. <laughs> At halftime of a bowl game <laughs> where they're getting the shit kicked out of them. And the quarterback's like, well, coach, what are we going to do the second half? And Leach kind of takes the takes his headphones off and is like, well, we just got to do this, this, and this and quit playing like crap and we'll be fine. And goes back to practicing in Spanish. Quarterback said they went out there, beat the crap out of the opponent in the second half, ended up pulling the win out.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if we, you heard one guy say a bad thing. Besides Craig James. Yeah, about that's Mike about Leach. It. Yeah.
1: And most people think, about half that story all got. I think most people think Craig James is a piece of shit after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, most of that story kind of got
0: debunked. Yes. And I mean so, he was still suing Texas Tech. I mean, he, yeah. he never let that lawsuit go. He was he was pissed about yeah, that. He's a lawyer. Yeah. He's a law school grad. Yeah. So, hey! Don't forget to uh, download the Betfred Sports app if you are in Omaha or Western Nebraska, or if you're in Colorado, if you're in Arizona, if you're in Ohio, if you're in Maryland. Uh, if you so, because Betfred Sports. Is uh, here to make sure that you have a great betting experience. The app is wonderful. It's brand new. It was designed with uh, the user in mind, and that would be you. Easy ways to get your money in. Easy ways to get your money out. A variety of betting types: straight bets, in-play wagering, parlay cards, and VIP experiences. So get in on the action. And when you use the promo code Doc you can get a free twenty dollar bet with new signups. Betfred Sports, the presenting sponsor of the Doc Talk podcast. Nebraska has a defensive coordinator. Tony White comes over from Syracuse. We're going to try. I've been in contact with David Max from, from HuskerMax.com, and he's kind of set me up with somebody um, from Sports Illustrated who knows Tony quite well. Uh, we're going to try to get him on the podcast. But uh, your your initial thoughts of a 3-3-5 defense.
1: I, I don't think it's that. You know, a lot of people are like, I don't know how this going to work in the Big Ten. And I'm, I'm one of those, you know, a lot of teams already run it. And then it's there's a great video floating around on YouTube that somebody had put together and it, and it was more in regards to what Tony White was doing at Syracuse. It's, I I don't know. I can't remember how old the video is. I actually put a link to it on Twitter. So if you'd want to dig through doc talk sports, Twitter, the, the YouTube videos on there, but it gives a breakdown of sort of the evolution of the defense. It's very similar to what Nebraska had been doing under Chenander. Um, now, I think I say that and all of a sudden people are like, fuck, <laughs> <God damn> it!" <laughs> no, and it's, here's the thing, it's, it's, you, you know what, believe me, there's plenty of shitty defensive coordinators running four threes out there, three fives, five twos, three fours, three three fives, whatever. I don't care what it is, um, does it work or does it not work? Yeah, it's, and it doesn't matter on the system. It's, can you coach it, can you teach it, and do you have the personnel to run it? And if you do, it's going to work. Like so, it's you, you know if if it makes people feel any better. When Nebraska, when I hit the door down in Lincoln, Nebraska, for years had run, and we ought to at some point we had to do like a doc's diagnosis with our our big whiteboard. Yes, we have it. We're yeah. it's ready to go. We ought to do this. We ought to do another episode here maybe right before right after christmas and do it because we do a breakdown of kind of the evolution of some of these defenses and why people use certain defenses okay so when i hit the door in lincoln nebraska for the better part of 30 years had run a 3-4 slash 5-2 defense and and the idea behind that is it's you got a true nose guard. You got a Danny Noonan or a Lawrence Pete at a true nose guard position. Two, we called them D tackles that would line up over the offensive tackles. In the NFL, they always called them defensive ends. And then you had two, at Nebraska, we called those guys defensive ends. In the NFL, they called them outside linebackers. And then you had two inside linebackers. So basically, three, de- three down defensive linemen Two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers. Um, that's a three-man front defense, and that's what they ran in the in the old Big Eight days. And the reason they ran that in the old Big Eight days is because it was viewed as sort of this big on big run stopping defense. You go back to the seventies, the eighties, the three four slash or man, uh, yeah, the three four slash five two look was a run-stopping defense. And uh, over time, Nebraska with McBride, you kind of got into the early 90s, and McBride had developed essentially what was Nebraska's nickel look. And it was kind of based off of what they saw teams like Florida State and Miami doing, kind of this whole turn defensive ends into defensive tackles, turn linebackers into defensive ends, and turn safeties into linebackers. Speed-based, let guys run. It's a speed-running-based defense. It was the 4-3. And so when you look back at that, Nebraska had put this in in the really early 90s, essentially as their pass defense. This was what Nebraska was going to use against the new-look Oklahoma where Gary Gibbs had Kale Gundy at quarterback and was going to try and go long ball after he took over for Switzer. This is what you're going to do to combat what uh, Pat Jones was doing at Oklahoma State at the time. This was to combat when you would win the Big 8 and go to the Orange Bowl and play those Florida teams. It, this was what we were going to use to shut down those high-flying Florida offenses was this nickel defense where essentially – it was two undersized outside linebackers lining up as the defensive ends, kind of a couple of faster interior D linemen. You'd leave in two linebackers and essentially bring an additional safety in as your third linebacker. Um, And if you want a comparison, it uses a... you, You had sort of that hybrid guy, like a Jojo Doman would be a good example of a more recent guy, but like a Jojo Dome and a Javon Wright and Isaac Gifford for guys within the last two or three years that Nebraska has used as sort of this hybrid safety slash linebacker, which essentially it's a nickel guy. Okay. It's basically your nickel. Who's this, it's this big nickel back and th- for Nebraska in the era that I played, that was Ed Stewart. I mean, he he was a, a butkus finalist linebacker, who was actually a safety coming out of high school. He was a safety in Chicago, and came in. I remember when we sa- signed him. He he signed as a safety. He redshirted a year later. All of a sudden, Nebraska's like, we're gonna try this four three shit, and he's now now he, <laughs> Ed's now a linebacker. But I still remember McBride talking about the fact that they put this nickel look in. And on the occasions that teams would try and run against us when we were in this nickel package, thinking they were going to pass, when they would run the ball, statistically, it was one of the better defenses we had against the run. And it was all because of the speed. We had these undersized defensive ends. Dante Jones was like maybe 220 at most. He was a player, too. He was. Uh, Dwayne Harris, maybe 225, 230. But you look at all these guys. I mean, Dante Jones, Trev Alberts, a lot of those guys in that era, you saw one of two things happen. They'd go to the NFL and become outside linebackers or like uh, Grant Wistrom would go to the NFL. and They were like, yeah, you need to gain 20 pounds and he becomes a, de- a true defense, outside defensive end. It's, but all of these guys were really undersized. I mean, I think, I think Gr- Grant Wistrom at Nebraska played at about 245. Now, you're kind of seeing a resurgence of that in the NFL with like the Khalil Max, the Bosa brothers, guys like that. who Are are guys like that, do you want them to sit in there against a run-only offense? Well, maybe not all day, but guess what? They do pretty well against it because their, their speed allows them to play the run as well. But that much speed on the field was deadly against run offenses. And so by the time I was a sophomore, junior, 92, 93, McBride switched Nebraska's defense over to this 4-3 look, which literally was kind of more of like a 4-2 nickel. It was basically a 4-2-5 defense with two undersized defensive ends that were really essentially... Big outside linebackers, okay. but it was all speed based, and so I think the knock against this, against the three-three-five, that people are worried about is you're not going to have the size to sit in there against a run-based offense. And my my thought process is, literally, the four-three we ran in the '90s was our fucking nickel defense with undersized guys with an entire philosophy based around speed specifically to get us to be able to hang with teams like the Miami's and the Florida States of that era and it worked amazingly well against the run and that was why we stuck with it as the base defense that was our nickel defense for the, for that era and so it's I don't think it's it's I'm not worried about it in that sense because like I said all those ferocious defenses of the '90s were, were sort of a off. I mean, the three-three-five. I can I can put it on paper and show you how that was sort of a a high. It's a hybrid version of what we ran in the '90s. It's basically a nickel defense. Um, Terrell Farley. There's another guy. If you if you want one of these hybrid. Guys who's sort of a pseudo-safety, pseudo-outside linebacker. Trail Farley's another example of that. But we were basically running one of these undersized speed-based defenses up through 99. So it's I'm not worried about it in, in that regard. Here's the other thing, too. It's, you know, I I I get it. You still got Iowa out there. You still, well. We'll see what Fickle does at Wisconsin. Yeah. You're not going to see the old. You're not going to see Barry Alvarez Wisconsin anymore. That's that's over. Barry's not there anymore. You got a different AD. You, you've got a completely different coach from what you've seen there before. Look at what Ryan Day's doing at Ohio State. Look at what Harbaugh's doing at Michigan. And again, I get it. You, you, Michigan hammers you with the running game. But that's an offense that can throw the ball. They can run the ball. They do a lot of different things. Uh, A few people made the point on Twitter when we had this discussion a week, week and a half ago, that the offenses you're seeing in the Big Ten are not necessarily this old-school ground and pound well and when quarters. UCLA
0: and USC come in it things are gonna be a lot different
1: it, it is and so I I think you're gonna actually probably see a little bit more of an adaptation to defenses, almost kind of like what you saw Pellini trying to get installed at Nebraska before Nebraska joined the Big 12
0: the day I was leaving for uh, before Nebraska joined the, the Big, Big 10 Tw- T- yeah. from the Big 12 the day I was leaving for Italy uh Evan Cooper the secondary coach uh, was Epley. He has no idea who I am, right? You told me you saw a coach there. Yeah. And so I'm listening to his phone calls. You know I because mean? <laughs> I mean, he's just walking around, he's talking pretty loud. No, and since he's so new, nobody had a clue who he was. Yeah. The only reason I figured out is because he's wearing Nebraska gear. And then I'm like, I hear him talking to like coaches. I'm like, well, I'm going to pay attention here. The one thing that stuck out to me, he goes, I, he said to whoever he's on the phone with, I don't care. All we're thinking about is speed. We want speed. And I'm like, that's going to make a lot of people happy.
1: It is now. I mean, Frost preached the same thing. True. And we never quite saw it. Um, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Touche. I, I mean, I, I do like some of the stuff they, they've done already. I mean, you look at Bryce out of Texas. It's a no-star kid who's a track stud. Yeah. He's a track kid, which they just they got a commitment this weekend from uh, uh, Jalen Lloyd, who played football this he was an Omaha central kid transferred to Westside, Play, played football this fall at Westside. Side. Um, one of the premier track athletes in the country. He national champion jumper. So uh, long jump triple jump guy uh, was the Class A state champ in the 100 and 200. probably could have gone for the all class in both the 100 and the 200 they wanted four they wanted four state titles and so they pulled they actually pulled him out of some heats and some races specifically to kind of save him a little bit um his dad's a track coach at central whole whole family's involved in track and they're great family super nice people um but man, their speed, right there, Jalen can freaking run.
0: What, what do you make of the uh, the Georgia Tech quarterback Jeff Sims committing to to Nebraska? That, that's an it's, interesting dy- dynamic, isn't it? I mean, it's,
1: it's that one's interesting. I, now here's the thing because I've seen a couple of other people that Nebraska recruited at quarterback. I'm kind of wondering: Is Casey Thompson still going to be here? Is Chuba Purdy still going to be here? Yeah, I. It's. I, I'm kind of wondering if there's some potential for those guys to jump to the transfer. But why portal. wouldn't you do
0: it now? I mean, you got to get in, don't you? Why? I mean, why? Why wait any longer than you already have to? You mean for those guys to get get in the into it? Tr- yeah,
1: yeah. That's I, you know for for Chuba, I I would worry more about that. For a guy like Casey, I wouldn't. I think he's proven that again. I, I hate using the word commodity, but Casey Thompson's a commodity. People know he can play football. Yeah. Here's the other thing: people also know he he's a team guy. I mean, he came in and he embraced everything Nebraska this past year. He did. And I think a lot of people, and I, I hope people in Nebraska really appreciate what Casey did for the team this year, because he was one of the guys that really helped h- hold all of this shit together. And he kept a smile on his face. He was always encouraging. You never heard that guy bitch and moan in the media. And I. It, it's one of those things. If he stays, I'm going to be really happy he stays. If he hops in the portal, it's going to be sort of like a, sort of an Adrian Martinez thing where I'm going to be looking at him going like, you know what? Great kid. I'm glad he was here. I hope the best for him. And I hope he kicks ass wherever he ends up. The the
0: difference was Adrian Martinez was here long enough where I think people developed a, a sense of loyalty to a program. Than I mean, yeah. Casey's uh, here a year. If you leave after a year, you're like, and but you're going to start seeing this a lot. You, you need to start understanding the camaraderie that you enjoyed in Las Vegas with your buddies. Is it going to happen
1: anymore? You don't have as much. No. Because, I mean, y- you go talk to Aaron Graham. There were times Aaron Graham will tell you he was basically talking Brooke Berenger into not transferring. And, and guys transferred when I played too. There was a yeah. penalty. Yeah, exactly. you, you, had, you had to you had to kind of work the system. If you had a redshirt year, it was great. Yeah. If you didn't, if you had a redshirt year, transferring was like it is now. It just you'd transfer and you would just redshirt. There's no problem. Yeah. Well, um, but you know the year. That, that time frame, right around 90, 1992, I think we had three scholarship quarterbacks all leave Nebraska. And I think I think two became starters elsewhere. It's a, they weren't bad quarterbacks. Todd Dragnano went to Louisville, and I think he started there. Matt Jones left, went to Ball State, and I believe he became a starter there. Ben Roots went to Kansas, played a lot. I don't think he was ever the full-time starter there. But guys left Nebraska. So, I mean, you saw that happen then. But, yeah, the camaraderie thing, it's the thing that's interesting about it. So, I mean, a little bit of a tangent here, but in relation to the recruiting, you're going to see this affect recruits as well because – so, while again, while you were in in Italy – and I was just up in Pierce, Nebraska yesterday, but I'm going to – I I I am gonna apologize if I get the name wrong. It's either Brahmer or Bramer, but it's I'm gonna say Ben Bramer. Um, all state tight end for Pierce, Nebraska. Kids like 6'6, 6'7, 215, almost 220. He's he's a beast. He he's a D1 guy. He's a huge body. He can catch and he can run. I mean, he I I really think he's the real deal. Yeah. Um, committed to Nebraska, been committed for a while. Coaching staff gets fired. Stuff happens with Mickey. Um, Rule comes on board. And so Rule and the new O.C. Is at Satterfield? Satterfield. So Satterfield and Rule head up to Pierce, Nebraska, to pay a visit to, to Ben and his family. His dad's the, the head football coach up there in Pierce. I mean, they've played in four straight state title games. The family knows football. They know their way around, uh, around the gridiron a bit. So they go up there like one or two days after rule and satterfield visit them he switches his commitment to iowa state and so i i don't know i mean i would hate to think they made a visit up well i don't know actually that would be classy as hell if Rule went up there to tell him in person, hey, you don't fit into our system, go someplace else. I don't think that's what happened. The story I got from the Pierce crowd was they're looking at it going, well, you got a 6'7", 215-pound tight end. That's a Kelsey. That's that's a Kittle yeah. type guy. Those are big, wide receivers. I mean, Kittle's receiver. not even that big. Yeah, which – and Kittle – but the thing is, though, those guys – they can block, they can catch, they can run, they can jet sweep. But all those guys, when you look at like a Kittle, when you look at a Kelsey, is that your classic Big 10 tight end or is that a Big 12 tight end? Uh, that's a Big 12 tight end. That's a Big 12 tight end. I get it. Kittle Not, was. Yeah. I get it. Kittle's Kittle in Iowa. Kittle
0: guy. wasn't the tight end. And, and people always say, well, you know, we, we had this conversation the other day. Kittle continues to get better he was a. even Kirk Ferentz said George Kittle was a really good tight end in Iowa he's a much better tight end than now that he I mean 100% because you and a lot of people are saying well why how's Brock Purdy having so much you know how is he having success with the 49 starting quarterback and he was great at Iowa State but he's better now you continue to grow I mean great athletes continue to get even better as they move along if you stay the same there's no growth and you, you, you won't do
1: exactly. Well. But any, but I mean, my point though is, is that when I, when you look at, when you look at Ben Bromer Ben Bramer, when you look at Ben from Pierce, is he a, I mean, is that a big 12 tight end or a big 10 tight end? He's six seven six six two fifteen. 15. That's a big 12 guy. So, and he's got to put on what? 30 more pounds. He's got to put on 20 pounds to play in the Big 12. He's got to put on 50 pounds to play in the Big 10. And it's a hell of a lot more wear and tear on your body under a lot of those Big 10 offenses. But here's the bigger point I was getting to is that a few people up there made the comment that in this day and age, if it's not a great – if you realize in hindsight that it's not a great decision – I went to Iowa State. It's now a year later, 18 months later. Shit, maybe I should have gone to Nebraska. You can. Maybe I should have gone to Iowa. Maybe I should have taken P.J. Fleck up on his offer and gone to Minnesota. You can. You can. And they'll take you. Now you can do it. Absolutely. And if you're 6'6 and play tight end and you can run and catch, somebody's going to take you. And that's the thing is where – so, I mean, the story I tell in relation to that, if you want a comparison, when I was coming out of high school, 89-90, Tom Osborne calls – and I grew up in Lincoln. I grew up in Lincoln, fucking Nebraska. Our team was only okay at the time. Um, I went to college thinking, I want to go someplace. I am guaranteed – 9 or 10 wins a season. Took me 3 years of high school football to to get 10 wins. I want 10 wins every damn year. That was Nebraska and it was it was a guarantee in that time yeah. period. I'm going to go to Nebraska. My dad worked for Nebraska for Damn near four, de- almost four decades. I already had an older brother going to school there. There was no way I was not going to Nebraska for college. Tom Osborne calls me at home, offers me a full-ride scholarship to Nebraska. And I was like an early offeree. This was like September of my senior year in high school. You get that call in September. That's like the equivalent of like an eighth grader getting an offer now, which (laughs) Nebraska just offered an eighth-grade quarterback out of Alabama. But anyway, so I had that early offer. I still made. I, I still waited like two and a half weeks before I called Osborne back. You would sit around and like, "Hey, am I doing the right thing? Is this yeah. is this truly the right decision?" Because, shit, it's not like I'm going to go there and then transfer. Yeah, it's like I'm going to go wherever I go. It, it's there's a little finality to this decision prior to the transfer portal, and now that's gone. Now it's one of those like, well, shit, if it's not working out and I hate it. I'll just transfer. And Shit, that's, that wasn't an option then.
0: Well, I mean, it's your nephew, right? He, he's yeah. left Missouri. Has he found a home yet? He isn't. He uh, Did he hear from Northern Iowa
1: yet? He did. So I, I got to check with my brother because I think he had a visit at South Dakota this week, like on Friday in yep. Northern Iowa yesterday, I believe, or vice versa. I, I may have helped with that a little bit. I think I I think I called you up. and Was like, hey, <laughs> you, hey, you know this Coach Farley guy? Here's a good guy. You I can show you the text. Coach Farley is so,
0: very happy that I that I recommended. So I well.
1: I, I I you know it's interesting because I know some people are like, no, you got to get them to Lincoln. You got to get them to Lincoln, and it's like he wants to play it's like shit one he wants to play that's the big thing he wants to play football and we've talked to a few people also so i mean he's in contact with montana as well augustana Augustano, like dude my phone lit up with the augie coaches we're like hey, dude would he consider us at all we'd love to have him. i'm just i'm going to i'm going to let you know something and i'm going to put my and you can tell
0: john this mark farley's one of the coolest salt of the earth guys you'd ever find and,
1: and you. you and guess what else Mark Farley does? He puts dudes in the NFL. NFL. He does. Especially old linemen. Yes. I, oh. I'm just saying,
0: that's my pitch. If people there's I there's Trav in his with thing again. Mark Farley is a cool dude. He does my radio show every Thursday during the, the football season. He wins.
1: he wins.
0: He wins. He
1: wins. He develops players. He puts guys yes. in the NFL. Oh. And in this day and age, that's no small thing. For, for these guys, it's, it is it is an interesting dynamic. I mean, I, there's a guy who, uh, I, again, I put a link to him on Twitter. I'm, oh, my God, I'm forgetting who his, his Twitter handle. Anyway, he does analysis of the transfer portal, and he had a great point. He said, if you look at the transfer portal, the majority of people who go into the transfer portal do end up at a lower division yeah. school. They go from FCS to D two or NAIA. They go from 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 a power five or group of five down to FCS or D two. It's that's kind of the nature of it. I mean, the majority of people aren't making lateral. No, moves. no. you got a very small number of kids who go from FCS or uh, D two up to D one. Um, so, i'll I'll be curious to see what happens with isaac. I, I I think they would love to go to Nebraska. I mean, partly because it's the home state school. It, it's where his dad and uncle went. Um, but at the same time, it's one of these situations that you gotta be realistic. He too, right? wants to play football, yeah and there's a handful of good programs that are talking and when you look at Augustana northern iowa south dakota montana these are good schools with very good football yeah
0: and, and don't be knocking the fcs the missouri valley conference in football is the sec of the uh, of the fcs i mean that's great 100%, football I,
1: and i mean here's the thing. you got to remember nebraska was down, was up one score over north dakota north dakota was within a score into the fourth quarter of that. South Dakota game.
0: State, who's playing for the national title against North Dakota State, only lost it to Iowa and they almost and they almost beat Iowa first yeah, game of the year.
1: Like I guarantee you if South Dakota State or North Dakota State played Nebraska this year, they Nebraska won. loses that game. You're probably right. I'm not the, you can remove the probably from that statement.
0: Not a transfer portal story, but rather a decommit and that is Dylan Riola decommits from Ohio State. Donovan Ryola. Is maintained retained by by Matt Rule. I, 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 you'd be foolish not to think there's a
1: link there a little bit. It's easy. the The thing I keep I, going slow hanging fruit. You're right. The thing I keep going back to. Football coaches love staff cohesiveness. They like "quote unquote" their people, and it's at every level: high school, college, NFL people like their people and it's one of those you look at coaching staffs and a coach a head coach hires somebody that that he hasn't worked with before and it always raises eyebrows it's like dude are you guys going to be able to work together at all yeah. how did this happen how did how did the two of you guys come together you just don't see that that much um and so you either got to like the guy like what he represents like how he works i i just To get a recruit here, that seems like an ungodly, short-sighted methodology in terms of how to do this. And I get it. He's the number one recruit in the nation, according to two out of five. I mean,
0: if you don't think Lincoln Riley's going to be going after him, you're crazy.
1: No, I get it. I just, oh, man, it's just, but but are you going to screw up staff cohesion over this? Uh, Here's the other thing too. What is arguably the weakest link on Nebraska's football team over the last couple of years? Offensive line, hands down, and that's obvious to everybody. You're going to keep a guy if you now, and I got a side story here that here I got a behind the scenes from Vegas we can talk about. But are you going to keep a guy who is potentially a suboptimal O line coach? And I'm not saying Donovan's suboptimal. I'm saying... He didn't impress you year one. What I'm saying is, are you going to keep a... The old line didn't impress me. Here, we'll come back to this. Are you going to keep a guy who may or may not be able to perform to the expectations you want just to get his nephew, who in this day and age you can probably count on him for three years? Depends how desperate you are. That's a blink of the eye. Depends how desperate you are. I get that, but are you going to risk the... I mean, and then you're in a... Okay, let's say... And I'm saying this under the sense of... If you don't think Donovan can coach, are you going to risk putting his nephew back there behind five guys who aren't well coached? Are you going to put the savior of the program, the number one recruit in the nation behind an offensive line that can't block for that kid. Probably not. That's why I say I think Rule kept Donovan because he thinks Donovan can coach. Okay. Now, here's the other thing. Donovan, because he's the he's the one guy in Lincoln who didn't work for the university like Sty does, who actually lives close enough... And has a day job that allows him to actually do it. Donovan had Aaron Graham come down to several practices this year, basically observe, act as essentially like a volunteer coach, go to meetings, and just kind of watch stuff. Um, Aaron said it's not Donovan is not the problem. Okay, that is that is one thing. Aaron was very very emphatic. That's about. good. I my entire assessment is 100% watching those guys play. And it was a shit product you saw in the field. But I sat down here as well, too, because I did tell you, there's part of me that looks at these guys, and I'm looking at them and going, oh my God, as individual linemen, these guys are so amazingly bad. The fact that at times they actually do okay actually makes me almost wonder if Donovan is just absolutely polishing a piece of shit. Which is kind of hard to do. Could very well be the But part. I said that when we were doing some pre-discussion before a couple of the docs' diagnosis, that part of me almost wonders if he's not working was working miracles down there. I didn't know. All I know is the product on the field was subpar, Aaron said it was who he had to work with. He said it's just those guys are trash. And I and I hate saying that. Well <laughs> Wow, Aaron,
0: that was harsh. Trash. Well but, but you know what? Sometimes that's what it is.
1: Okay, but I mean am I wrong?
0: No, you're
1: not. You're not. Now and now here's the other thing. One of the other somebody had asked, well, like, okay, perfect world, what would what would Rob Zadiska's ideal offensive line have been at Nebraska? 2022 and this is perfect world stuff okay one perfect world you got cam jurgens back for another year at center so again yeah i'm not saying reality i'm saying perfect world yeah cam stays and plays at center and anchors that line that makes a big difference Nordine newellie doesn't have a suspension for performance enhancing drugs and Nordine Newelli is the starting left guard. I I love the kid. I think he's a freaking gamer. He's one of these guys that kind of sorta doesn't quite look the part, but he gets after and just mauls dudes. Yeah. He's just a mean son of a bitch on the field. And he's got that goofy, I've been throwing hay bales over in Germany type strength. <laughs> uh to show to show for it. And it's it's just I love the kid. That would be my ideal starting right guard. Again, perfect world. Left tackle. Teddy Prohask is healthy. Doesn't have the ACL tear last year, or it's fully recovered this year. He doesn't re-injure his other knee, and he doesn't have a torn shoulder labrum. It's. He's in there healthy at left tackle, anchoring that spot. He was Nebraska's second-best offensive lineman last year, and in a perfect world would have been Nebraska's best offensive lineman this year. Well, second-best, because in a perfect world, we'd have Cam Jurgens back. Um, At right tackle... Chris Walker, Lincoln East kid who's the starting right offensive tackle at the University of Montana, who should have been on offense from day 1. He was a uh, oh boy. It's like Zach Potter. I mean, it's he hit the door at Nebraska wanted to play defense and it took a transfer to Montana for uh for Chris to realize he he should be an offensive lineman. But he played. He came out of Lincoln East, was an all-state lineman, 6'6", almost 6'7", 290 pounds coming out of high school. He, he looked like another Robert Gallery, essentially. Hits the door in Lincoln and is like, I want to hit somebody. I want to play defense. So he kind of basically languishes for three years on the defensive line in Lincoln. And finally, is like nothing's happening. I'm not going to see the field here. Transfers to Montana. I think AJ Forbes, who was in Lincoln, got him to go to Montana. He goes up to Montana. He's now a starting offensive tackle, starting left tackle at my at Montana, and doing outstanding. Yeah. And then you've got AJ Forbes, um, who was a very good center out of Bellevue West, goes down to Lincoln. And my understanding, and I and I could be wrong in the details. This is kind of second, third hand information, essentially got told, hey, you're only like six, two and a half, six, three. You're too short to play offensive line here. Despite the fact that you are an excellent center, know the offense, can snap the ball flawlessly and are a very, very good blocker. He doesn't get to play. So he transfers to Montana. And if you include the the shortened that that weird spring twenty twenty COVID season they had in FCS football, he's gonna be he's going into his this next fall will be his fourth season as the starting center, as all conference center for the University of Montana. Wow. So ideally my offensive line would have been Prohaska, New Ellie, probably actually Forbes at center, Jurgens at guard. The two of those guys, you can flip-flop them if you want. And then Chris Walker at the other tackle. Well, how many of those five guys started for Nebraska this year? Zero. Fucking zero. Wow. I mean, that's that's what Nebraska's starting offensive line should have been. And if that's Nebraska's starting offensive line, you got five guys who would have done some serious damage up front, and that's something that's – again perfect world disappointing i mean i mean it's it's like ah shit if that staff had seen the value in forbes and seen the value in walker where he should have been it, if if you had had an environment on campus that cam jurgens was going to sit here and go like yeah i, I want to stay here i want to be a part of this like Cam and Austin Allen were two guys who, the whole thing with Frost and Frost getting retained, they were like, "Screw this shit, we're out of here." I mean, that was in the World Herald article yeah. said so that. No, that's true. That they were very vocal about Frost being kept, and even went to Trev to complain about how Frost handled stuff, and that they didn't want to be a part of that anymore. But if you had if you had an environment that fostered those guys staying. It just—I don't know. I just—I get pissed thinking about it in that regard. Because don't get that, pissed. It's just that offensive line could have been so much more and so much better this year, and instead, we're talking about the disaster of a line that we've had for the last two years. That led to the firing of a coach. That I mean, it did. It's and so anyway. My point is, is I especially after talking with Aaron. Like it, it's solidified. Like I said, I was never really down on Donovan. Like I said, I'd watch what I saw out on the field, and part of me was like, "Oh my God!" Part of me really, truly wonders if he's working a miracle that they're that they're even able to function like they are.
0: Well, you, you bring this up because uh, you know I was talking to to the visionary of this podcast, and that would be my son Owen. And uh, you know we're we're up upon the, uh, the 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 off season, and we really want to do a lot of interviews going forward. Right. We, because you know, we've had Joe Mowgli in here. Um, and I think we have a good opportunity in January, February, March, April, May, June, uh, up until July to bring people into the, in, into the, into the studio and, and have conversations with them. And I think Aaron Graham would be a good one of those. Right. I mean, get Aaron sitting right here, Aaron would be amazing. Yeah. I think Chris Brown would be a good yeah. one. Um, so if you, and if there's anybody in, don't even think former Huskers, right. If you, if there's somebody in the business world, uh, the sports world. If there's somebody you'd like us to, to interview on, on the on the Doc Talk podcast presented by Betfred Sports, drop us an email: doctalksports at gmail.com. That's doctalksports at gmail uh, We have a whole a whole off season to conduct interviews, and uh, we like doing interviews. Joe Mowgli is still one of my favorite. Vince Ferragamo was fun. What do you think of Joe Mowgli hiring Tim Beck? Um, yeah. be
1: honest, I was I was surprised. I'm, you know, I wasn't a Tim Beck fan as an O coordinator at Nebraska. But could he be like Craig Bowl? Okay, coordinator, really good head coach. Guess what? We're gonna find out. Yep, now, here's are. the thing: I've got a lot of trust in Mowgli's assessment skills of people. You think? I think he probably <laughs> does an okay job of that. Now, and here's the other thing: though. People were like, why did, he go, why did he hire Tim Beck? He and knew like, right... Remember when like, he sat here and goes... He worked, he, with, he, he worked with Beck when he was on Polini's staff in Lincoln.
0: He sat right here, and it might have been off the air. He goes, I'll hire the next head coach at Coast yeah. Carolina. And he, it's like he knew who it was right there. He knew yeah. who it was. Because when Caldwell left to go to Liberty, which was a huge pay raise over Coast Carolina, by the way, maybe a lateral move program-wise, money-wise, much, and it's a faith-based
1: school, he knew... I mean, Tim Beck was hired immediately. He knew who he Yeah, was he knew. Well, and that's the thing is that, I mean, he, he worked with Beck when the two of them were on Polini's staff together. So in that regard, it did not surprise me. I was like, yeah, he hired somebody he knew yeah. that he's been around. And, you know, it's one of those things. I will – a guy like Moglia, unless it crashes and burns just spectacularly after the fact – I'm never going to second guess a decision a guy like him makes because it's fair there is a guy who's made some pretty good personnel decisions in his life. So so then
0: again, if you do, if you have people you want us to interview, we're open for the suggestions, doctalksports at gmail.com. Hey, do you like going to live events but hate getting slammed at checkout with ridiculous per-ticket fees that balloon the price of your seats? Then we have a better option for you with Tickets for Less. Tickets for Less, known for a generation as Ticket Express, is a locally owned company that sells tickets without per-ticket fees to events nationwide with a local customer care team available by calling 402 398 1999, as well as an easy way to navigate the website ticketsforless.com. Tickets for Less is your go to spot for tickets to your favorite events. Plus, save even more when you use the promo code talk at your next order at ticketsforless.com. And if you have tickets to sell, Don't post them yourself. Call tickets for less and get a free quote very, very fast. Again, that's just by calling 402-398-1999. Scotty over at Husker Hounds. Good dude. Christmas is coming up. You you got like a week to make your Christmas purchases. You might as well go to the. Yeah, it
1: is. It's a week from today, isn't it? Two
0: locations in the Omaha area. You might as well go uh, to the superstore down at 84th and Center. Uh, Make sure to tell them the Doc Talk podcast sent you Uh, lots of good stuff for if you're uh, if you're a big Red fan and get your crate gear. You get your crate gear. They've been tearing it up. They've been
1: going full. They've been going full Scott Frost on on
0: the basketball. Oh my goodness! Um, And Connor Orr over at. Or in Horrigan now, the, the, we, they dropped the name. It's Or and Horrigan. Uh, he, he had a great first year with us. Hopefully Connor will be back with us. I don't know if he'll be back with us next season or not.
1: He's a fun interview.
0: He's a fun interview. And here's the deal. And I know Jeff Hardy's probably getting a little worried because we, we committed to do four uh, podcasts at Crosstrain. train. We may not get it in before the end of December, but January, I think we can make one happen. We can, Oh, easy. Yeah, I don't think that. So, yeah, Jeff, Dece- don't, don't December panic. December gets crazy. It does. So, Jeff, don't panic. Don't panic. We'll be out of cross-train either uh, in, maybe before the new year or right after the new year to kick things off. So, uh, But do drink some great cross-train beer as well. One final question for you, Rob, before we wrap this up, and this might be a longer conversation. Is, is it getting harder for Matt Rule because it's being reported that in 2024, and the the announcement may not come till February or March, that the Big Ten will drop divisions, top two teams in the league, go to the, the championship game. Does that make it harder for Nebraska by getting rid of the divisions and not having a division champion? And you just take the two best teams? Because in in, in, you
1: could have Ohio State
0: and Michigan every damn year.
1: Well, better get better than one of those two teams then. I, you know, it it does in the sense that, I mean, you had a lot of these years where, for lack of a better, like, like this year. Purdue. You can't tell me Purdue was the second no. best team in no, the Big No, you can't. 10. It's not like Purdue is the second best team. A lot of those years where you saw Northwestern, which God bless them, and what Fitzgerald did there, it's not like... It's not like they were going to the Big Ten title game, and
0: I'm just saying when you throw USC and UCLA in the mix,
1: it gets really hard. It is, but at the same time, to thank God you're in the Big Ten Conference. If you're already in the, do you want to be in that conference or the SEC, or do you want to be in the AAC, the Big Twelve, the Pac-12? It's I would rather be the third place team in the Big Ten than a second place team in the Pac-12 because guess what the Big Ten the SEC they're going to get th- SEC is probably going to get three or four I think the Big, big Ten is going to get two or three into a 12 team play and, and that's so why you don't have to go to the Big Ten title game to get in the playoff and that's the big bottom line so being in the Big Ten itself is the win
0: follow dr rob on twitter at doc talk sports make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel at doc talk sports like the facebook page at doc talk sports you can follow me travis justice on twitter at travis creates and if you have a question or an interview request uh just uh, send us an email doctalksports@gmail.com. at gmail.com and yes during the off season we will continue to take beer shipments
1: we will. Which, was it Cody? Cody,
0: down in Arkansas. So,
1: Cody, thank you again. Much appreciative. The beer was good. I like the Lost 40 Brewing. So uh, we've been doing that. We've been drinking Cody's beer. Craig from Georgia yeah. hooked us up. We drank a couple of those during the podcast. Always good. For
0: Dr. Rob Zadiska, I'm Travis Justice. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. And thanks for listening to the Doc Talk Podcast, presented by Bet Fred Sports.